Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey everybody, we're uh, continuing our series here at WPPI. Uh, Sean Robinson from, uh, from Panasonic Lumix is here with me. And uh, we're sitting on the ground looking <laughs> at the stratosphere. <laughs> and we have some onlookers uh, down below us. We're up on a up on a skywalk here. Yeah. Um and having a great time. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh Sean, introduce yourself. Hi. So uh I'm Sean. I'm a associate marketing manager for uh the Lumix imaging products for Panasonic. Um I I handle basically a lot of the stuff that uh, anybody's seen uh, social media or advertising wise about the GH5 and yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if, if, uh, if you're in this industry and you haven't been under a rock, you've seen Sean's, uh, on a number of YouTube videos, <laughs> just a few. Um, yes. And, uh, I've seen, uh, I've seen a few, uh, he's covering them at length. And so I'm excited to have Sean on because I've had the GH5 in my hands now for a few days. Um, but Sean knows it intimately better than I do. Um, and so I'm super excited to have him on and be able to talk about some of the nitty gritty stuff. Um, as, as you know, I, I'm, I'm about telling the story and I want tools that don't get in my way to do that. So I'm not the, uh, you're not going to get all the nerdy tech specs that you want to have from me. Uh, that's why I'm here. That's why Sean's here. Um, because if you're into that thing, then he can tell you all about it. I just know that it works and it works really well. Um, and, it, does. and it, it, it gets out of my way and lets me tell my stories. Um, and so, but I know that about the GH4 and I know of course the GH5 is going to do that and do that exceptionally well. And over the last few days have been blown away by it. Um, as I've gotten my hands on it, but I'm excited to kind of go in detail a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you guys know, full disclosure, I am sponsored by Panasonic. Um, and I'm trying to be unbiased for this podcast because I know a lot of you guys are using Canons or Sony. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I'm mostly about telling stories. You use the tools that you have to tell those stories, um, regardless of what brand it is and what specs it has. Uh, ultimately, the job is yours and yours alone to tell the story. The camera is is your pen. The camera is your paintbrush. Um, use what works for you. But as for me and my house, uh, we <laughs> will use the GH4 and now uh, very soon the GH5. And so super excited about it. Uh, okay, broad strokes. What are people excited about for the GH5? So yeah, um, we're 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 getting a ton of um, feedback and 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 a ton of excitement around um, kind of two main main pillars, I'd say, for this camera. You know, we've got the video crowd that's always kind of a, a, a solid wheelhouse for us that we've yep. always worked very well in. So the the video crowd, you know, they're they're loving the four two two ten bit and four K thirty. Um, it's making color grading a lot easier and it's, it's just going to provide a much better, uh, file to work with. So like you said, so it stays out of your way. Um, the fact that we've added 4k 60 P is actually getting some, some, uh, peaked interest now. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm pumped. Oh yeah. Um, documentary filmmakers, typically it always worked in, you know, 30 P cause you're, you're mm -hmm. right in that frame rate that it's cinematic ish, but you still have enough control over frame rate and, and, uh, the look that can work right in broadcast. Um, but we're, we're seeing actually a ton of YouTube content creators, um, storytellers in that era where they see that Vimeo and YouTube are actually starting to really push, you know, 4K 60p content because of how sharp, how realistic, how, um, I think, uh, uh Griffin Hammond puts it that it's hyper realistic. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a lot of excitement around the camera on that. Um, but for the, the the video guys it's it's that 
we've taken a product that for its time was groundbreaking. Yep. And then very quickly, you know, some of our competition came out and they made they made amazing cameras too. Um sure. you know, to to your point, I don't think anybody makes a bad camera. It's it's supposed to be an extension of of what you're doing and shouldn't get in your way. Yep. Um but when we sit and we talk to to um you know wedding videographers or or you know cinematographers in LA and in those areas they love the fact that you know we kept the battery the same it's something so stupid but it's the same battery it was a great battery yeah you get similar battery life on the GH5 even though we've added the 5 axis stabilizer we've upped the processor to Venus Engine 10 we've made it so that you know, performance-wise, with faster readout in the sensor and the newer processor, you're getting around two stops better performance in this. So you can shoot the thing at 6400 ISO and know that it's going to work for you. Um, that that crowd in general, they, they seem to be receiving it very well. Um, you know, and, and the, the fact it's got the two memory cards, both UHS-2, that's the kind of stuff that... that we strive to make a product, even if it takes a little bit longer than our competition does to come out with an update to a camera, we're only going to put something out that won't won't overheat on you, won't have, you know, a 30-minute record about? limit. Yeah, right? Um, and and that's not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing. I know, um, you know, you were saying about the YouTube thing. Yeah, I, I, there's the one video of the guy with Sony that says, I'm, you know, I'm throwing so much shade at Sony on this, but... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with those products. They're great tools for certain things. I've seen but amazing we, films with them. Yep. Oh, yeah. We like to look at it as a very pragmatic sense that we make a product that you pick it up, it works every time that you pick this thing up. You never have to worry that it's that what you throw at it's going to work. Yep. Um, and then on the still side of it, you know, the, the still shooters are liking the new color science that we're working with, and the, the video guys are liking it too. Um, you know, where blues are blue. The GH4 had this little bit of a um, uh, magenta-ish cast in the footage when they yeah. would look against other manufacturers. Sure. So the way that we work with color now on the GH5 is completely different. Um, you know, we sample nine times the area that an average manufacturer samples to determine pixels. Mm. Um, our noise levels are way better controlled than we've ever had before so that you shoot the higher ISOs, your edge details there, your chroma noise is very well controlled, your luminance noise is incredibly well controlled. Um, so it, it, it really is, is made to be just a tool. It's supposed to work. Um, yep. I mean, that's you know, kind of like the high this level. This is what people always said about the GH4 is it's your workhorse. Yeah. And so, but that's just exciting. So I was <laughs> noticing this when you're talking when Sean's talking about this, he's talked about it so much at this point <laughs> that he throws out these little points and he's just like, he just skims over it like it's nothing, right? <laughs> okay. So I heard a few things that you said yeah, yeah. that you acted like uh, you were talking about uh, there was nice cheese on a hamburger. Yeah, right. But but you said there's 4K 60P. It, yep. Okay. So what else on the market? Can, what's doing that? Is so. There- the the closest camera you're going to get to do 4K 60p in camera without having an external recorder, um, and like our the 4K 30 uh, 4K 30p 422 10-bit, you know you're looking at around 10 grand from one of the companies that starts with an S. Yeah. Um. That that has a lot to do with our broadcast company, which competes in that area. Sure. You know we, it it, it's again that kind of groundbreaking thing that we push. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think, obviously, like I said, if you haven't been living under a rock and you're in this industry, you've heard this already, the 4K 60P. Yeah, So right. we're stoked about that. Um, okay. Another thing that you sort of glazed over really quickly <laughs> that this is this has been the hang-up for most wedding filmmakers to not use Panasonic in the past mm-hmm. and to use, a, say, a, for example, a Canon uh 5d or the sony a7s mm-hmm. in particular especially that one because it's just a low light monster oh it's a beast um i mean i'm seeing people shooting at you know twelve thousand iso and it looks beautiful you know oh yeah yeah um so uh that's been a big hang-up for a lot of people in this industry in particular because we're shooting in a dark cathedral 
We're shooting in a dimly lit uh, reception hall. We're shooting in a barn with a few Christmas lights hanging up. And <laughs> so, uh, so low light is super important to us. And for a lot of people, especially um, people who don't like to bring LEDs or other lights to a wedding for whatever reason they have, um, which shame on you for doing this. You need to light your <laughs> scenes, people. Okay. Um, but for a lot of people, that was the hang up. Yep. You glazed over something really yes. quickly here. I heard you say an extra two stops. Correct. Okay. So yeah. tell me about that. So since we're taking, um, like I said, the sensor's been improved. We're a 20 megapixel sensor now, and we lost the anti aliasing filter. So you're going to get really sharp, crisp footage. But because of that, at 20 megapixel, you're 5.2K on the sensor readout. So the GH5, which is something I didn't mention before, GH5 is a full uh, full sensor width readout. Because so, the GH4 cropped in. Yeah, exactly. At the time, cropping pixel to pixel was easier in processing power and produced a, a better, at the time, a better 4K looking file. So what we've done is we now take a 5.2K uh, image, we downscale it to 4K. That buys us about a stop of ISO performance. Well, yeah, because a lot of people are doing that with GH4 right now, too. Yep. If they're going to deliver it in 1080, film it in 4K, basically all the noise shrinks. Exactly. Everything everything gets smaller and more detailed when you're doing this. Right. Now, you run into some risks if it's not done properly with, anti, or with uh, aliasing. But the Venus engine, that's where our Venus engine kicks in. Um, the G85 was the first camera that we took the uh, low-pass filter off, and we proved that it's it's uh, it's almost impossible to get the thing to to show any kind of aliasing. GH five is a step above that now. Um, we've we've sped up the the read speed on the sensor, so it's fifteen milliseconds now versus I think it was twenty two on the GH four. So it can read the information and dump it off incredibly fast. So you get less rolling shutter than the GH4 and the GH4 never had a problem with rolling shutter to begin with, but sure. You know, it's just even better on this camera. If you're now. really whipping it around or something, which again, you shouldn't do, but yeah. 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 Serious whip pans, any, <laughs> any rolling shutter censored camera, you'll find it even if they're in the 60, 70 grand area. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the sensor, the fact that we're downscaling adds about a stop of low light performance um, but then the Venus Engine 10, the amount of processing power that's in this camera, is adding about another stop worth of performance. So what we're finding is in, in the footage that was shot uh, for the launch of the camera, we're finding that, you know, footage at 6400 ISO looks great. And to top it even further than that, footage at 6400 ISO shot in log looks great. Yeah, and anyone that's worked with log knows that log typically does add more noise in your shadows. It's just it's characteristic of working in a logarithmic profile. So the fact that we're able to manage this kind of stuff in log and produce a result that um, really shines out and you know has gotten the attention of a lot of ASCs in LA that that's a a, a big feather in our cap, I think, and and I'm 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 very proud that, yeah. that our our team has been able to do that. But what it means is that for anyone that shoots in like natural or shoots in standard or Cine D or Cine V, it means that it's going to be even better than that because you're not having to worry about grading a log file, bringing that noise level up that just is inherent with any log file. Sure. And you're still able to capture in 422 10-bit if you're doing 4K 30. So you still have that area to work in post, get a little bit better color rendition, you know, really fine-tune this thing. Um Granted, 4K 60p is 4208-bit still, um, but we've proven that even in the GH4, 4208-bit is not a deal-breaker for a lot of people. It's still more than enough information. It's what most of our competition records at anyway. Sure. So a lot of people are used to that footage as it is, and it, it just works. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. for uh, probably maybe more than half of our audience, I'm guessing, they like to throw out these terms that you're that you're giving here, <laughs> but they're talking out of their butts, right? They have, I I, I know this. I'm not going to ask you to confirm it. That's okay. Uh, but uh, so I want to come back to that and let you explain that a little bit more, yeah, sure. So that we know what some of these things mean, okay? Yeah. And and why it's helpful for wedding filmmakers. Yeah. Um, but I I want to I want to attest because 
Sean's saying this um, kind of as, as the marketing guy, yeah. as as the you know the guy who who knows the tech in and out. As a wedding filmmaker, um, I will tell you, and and I'm, you know look at my look at my my personal stuff to confirm this, my my business stuff to confirm this. Um, you know, watch my wedding films, watch the reception footage. I will typically stay below 1600, sometimes on the GH4 I'm talking about, and I'll, I'll push it to 2000 if I absolutely have to, but I really don't like to do it. Yeah. Um, so I've had the GH4 in my hands for a few days. I've got it, uh, and, and particularly in the nights. Uh, and so I've gotten <laughs> to shoot some stuff at 6400 ISO. Um, not looking at it just on the back of the camera, I brought my 15-inch uh, Retina Display MacBook Pro with me. Um, I've zoomed in on it. I'm finding... You're claiming two stops of light. Uh, I'm finding that the noise at 1600 ISO on the GH4 looks similar to 6400 on the GH5. But... On the GH5, there's still more detail on the image. Correct. So it's, it's you're, there's less noise there, but there's even more detail. So it, to me, that means it's a little bit better than two stops. And and my and my sort of uh, you know real uh, real world examples real of these world, things. Yeah, it, but everything of course with this is subjective. Of um, course, but in my real world of test and opinion, it's two stops. But there's still more detail, so it's actually maybe I don't know. Two, what do you call that? Two and a third? Who knows? I, yeah, I need yeah. to I need to test out. Um, I was telling Sean earlier. I'm I'm gonna go out and test like eight thousand ISO just to see. Just to, oh yeah, we might as well keep pushing it up and just see like what's the real what's yeah, the why real not? limit here? Yeah. Every camera has a breaking point yep. to where where you know really that's that's the ISO you'd only use if you see Sasquatch out in the distance. Yes, that's, exactly. Yes, you know, that always exists in every brand. Yes. Um. But you know, like what you're saying with with more detail at the higher ISOs, that 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 is actually, I mean, that is something that we do talk about. Um, the way we handle determining what's noise versus what's detail changed. Um, we typical noise reduction algorithms when you're looking at any camera, they'll read up to a certain point and then they stop differentiating between noise and detail. Okay. And then it just clips. It just, it stops. And then it applies correction evenly across everything at that point. So that's where you're losing detail. And, and that's, that's what happens in a lot of cameras, not just ours, a lot of them. Sure. What we do instead now, we have a, um, we have this, this, this processing and, and the way that we're, we're viewing the image where we've raised that ceiling of what we understand and the processor can determine as, Detail versus noise versus just sensor noise that, that is inherent as you go higher up. But on top of it, we, we analyze an image. Every single frame is analyzed. And it looks at what is determined as an edge, what's determined as a, a detail-filled area, and then what's determined as an area that doesn't have any apparent detail to it. So like a blue sky or in Vegas right now, the, the dark night sky that we've got above us. It analyzes all three of those areas independently. So it, it applies smart corrections across the image. Uh, it, this is most visible if you're a still shooter. You get what's called overshooting. Yeah. You get a vertical line or horizontal line or any kind of hard edge against a blue sky or any kind of solid color. And you get this kind of white haloing. Right. That's called overshooting. GH5, the way we're analyzing all this info, has completely, well, almost completely cut that completely gone. And that translates right into the video crowd as the higher ISO you go, the more detail is captured. And because you're downsampling, you're working from a 5.2K image down into 4K or even down into 1080 if you're, if you're going that low, it, it results in noise patterns that look more filmic. They look sure. more randomized. Yeah. You don't see this kind of typical digital noise you see that's very patterned and very... Right. You can almost anticipate that if you're watching a piece of footage, you can say, well, there's going to be a piece of noise right there. Ah, there it is. Yeah. It doesn't exist in the GH5 the way it works. Yeah. So. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I honestly always thought, I mean, the, the old the old school of thought is uh, the only way to get better high ISO is, I mean, just straight up new sensor technology mm -hmm. or larger pixels. Yep. 
but that's one of the things I love about Panasonic is they're always thinking outside of the box. What are other solutions to this problem? Yeah. Because in, if that's the case that you can only do it by larger pixels, well, now you either have to make it, you know, an 8 megapixel sensor or you have to make a larger sensor and then you lose the benefits of the micro four-thirds sensor for video. Exactly. Um, okay. So I just threw out something that people are going to say, what? <laughs> uh, the benefits, I said that right, the benefits of micro four-thirds sensor for yep. video. Um educate us on that Sean so something that that has been a a modern trend that i i think has been carried over from from the still side of the industry is that full frame is is king or full frame is best sure um and in some cases there's 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 validity to that statement however sure if you're really serious about shooting video um professional video or cinematography a lot of people may not fully realize, but a lot of major motion picture and a lot of broadcast television, they're shot on either like two-thirds chips, or they're shot on a four-thirds type film stock, or four-thirds type digital sensor. Yep. Um, the, the the typical reason for this is, you know, if, if, if we're sitting here and, and we're filming this conversation, and you're working with a 35mm or Super 35 sensor, your depth of field is actually too shallow. Right. You end up having to stop down because you're trying to capture enough detail that, you know, as as, as we're talking, we move a bit. Um, yep. I, I know I do. I'm very animated when I talk and yep. when I move. Well, in a shallow depth of field situation, that's that's a pain because now you got to constantly keep on your focus and you got to rely so heavily on an AF system that may work, may not work. It may get it, you know, 60% of the time, but you're still stuck with maybe 40% of the time the focus is just missed slightly. The benefit of shooting pro video in a four-thirds chip is that your depth of field at any given aperture is greater than that that you're working with in Super 35 or full-frame 35 millimeter. Um, so what it means is when I shoot with the Noctocron and I shoot at 1.2, I'm still getting the light-gathering capability and the exposure information of a 1.2 lens. Yep. But my depth of field works kind of like a 2.8 or a, an f3. I forget exactly what the, the conversion sure. is, but that means that at 1.2, when I'm shooting video, I can get both your eyes, your you, you know, both your eyes to your ears in focus. So if I stop down at 2.8, that means, well, your whole head's in focus. If we're doing talking heads work, it's that's what you need. You you don't necessarily always want super shallow depth of field. And he's talking in particular about like the 42.5 mil Noctocron. Yeah, yeah Noctocron. Um, it, it, that's the easiest one to, to do an example with. Sure. You know, but then you look at, say, like the 25.14. You look at the 15.17, lenses like that, where your field of view is a little bit wider. Um, so your field of view is buffering out some of that shallow depth of field uh, characteristic. That means that shooting a 25 or 15 wide open, you're more than enough to do a two-person shot in yep. depth of field, and it just works. Yep. Stop down a bit if you really want to, you know, ensure that you're getting that that depth of field and that sharpness. But you still also manage to be able to keep your ISO down. So yep. you shoot at that wide aperture, wide open aperture. You don't have to shoot at 6400 ISO. You can shoot at maybe 800 ISO. Yep. Where particularly in, if you're lighting your scenes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I spent uh, the beginning of last week. Uh, I was in LA talking with a bunch of ASCs at a. Uh, um, uh, meeting, uh, um, they're uh, the. I always screw this up. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the Academy for. Um, these are like all the guys that shoot major motion pictures. Okay. So um, I was working with one gentleman called uh, his name's uh, William Wages. Okay. If you look him up on IMDb, you'll recognize him. He shot uh, some of the seasons of Burn Notice, things like that. Nice. Well, he mixes GH4 footage with our Vericam footage and a lot of mm. other brands. Yeah. Because they fit perfect in that sense, yep. in those areas. But and you can put them in weird spots because they're tiny. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um. He's got this. Uh. He's got this piece coming out. Uh. It's either this week or next week. Um. Called Sun Records on CMT. Mm -hmm. It's about Johnny Cash and all those guys. Well, there's a bunch of it shot on GH4s because you couldn't physically put a Vericam in a position where you needed to get a camera that still was able to record 4K. Yeah. Could do four two two ten bit and all of this other kind of stuff that they yep. need. 
So the, the, the point I'm making here is that for true cinematography, a four-thirds chip is more than enough for what is actually needed in the case. Is it cool to have, you know, a million ISO? Yeah, it's great. But to what, what you said, too, learn to light your, light your, your scene. It's not, about, it's not about the amount of light that's there as much as it is about the quality of the light. Exactly. And what you're doing to make your brides and grooms and guests and parents look more attractive. Exactly. Because yeah. they do not look good in the can lights oh, of the God. reception hall. They have raccoon eyes, and it doesn't matter (laughs) if you can shoot at a million ISO, they're still going to have raccoon eyes. Exactly. Unless you lit your scene. Exactly. Um, You know, and and actually talking about that, something that that actually we we don't really ever talk much about. Um, I've I've shot engagements. I've shot weddings. I've I've shot a lot of this stuff, um, you know, my spare time. But one of the things that I always hear from a lot of um, videographers um, that are shooting weddings is... You know, reception lighting is typically very, very horrible. Yeah. And if you're working in a scene where you may not be able to use, you know, some additional lighting and you're shooting, you know, you get strobing. You get that, mm. the pulsing of all sure. those crappy LED lights that are in a lot of wedding halls. Yeah. Or the stuff, the cheap stuff that the DJ brought or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So something else that the GH5 has and the GH4 has this that a lot of people don't necessarily realize is it's a thing called synchro scan. SynchroScan lets you fine-tune the shutter speed that you're shooting at, or shutter angle if you're using shutter angle in the camera. Let's you fine-tune it to buffer out a bit on either side uh, off the 180-degree rule, so 24 frames, shooting at 50 50, uh, shutter speed. Let's you float that a little bit on either side to where the frame rate you're capturing at is off-angle of the refresh rate of those lights. So I, I see a lot on the forums, you know, um, wedding shooters that come back and they're like, I just shot this job and all the lights are strobing. How do I fix it? Now you can fix it in post, but it's a pain. Yes. You gotta throw it in. You gotta like frame, change the timing. Yeah. You gotta lose all this kind of stuff. And it, yep. it, it, it's a pain. Yep. So if you use the synchro scan feature, you just tweak your shutter speed off. You're not following 100% 180-degree rule to get perfectly silky smooth, proper video, but... Which you, you don't really need, to be honest. I mean... Very true. Your your clients are not going to know. Exactly. And and it, in, in any case, always try to buffer it to a slightly slower shutter speed because it, it masks the off-angle shooting. So, uh, <laughs> and a, a really simple way... Rather than shooting at 150th of a second, you switch to 149th or 148th or 147th or 151st. Exactly. But what that does is it moves the shutter just off the refresh rate of those lights. So you're still capturing the right exposure. You're still capturing the footage you need, but you're not getting that interference of the strobing lights. It's one of the things that I had two conversations today at the show that I said it to somebody they looked at me, their jaw dropped, and they said, you just saved me hours <laughs> in post. It's probably the most underused feature on the camera. By far. Oh, yeah. 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 Because sure. because we never really talked about it. It's right. one of those things, sometimes we assume people know you everything look through, that's in You look through the menu, and you're sort of overwhelmed as you're going through it, and Synchro Scan comes up, and you're like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I want to go back. We're not going to talk just about GH5. Uh, yeah. We are going to get into some other stuff. Um, but I know that's the main thing probably that you want to hear about right now. Um, but I want to go back to this discussion on 8-bit, 10-bit, 422. Yeah. Okay. I hear so many people talking about this. And sometimes I'll ask them, hey, what does that mean? And because I had to do a ton of research to figure out what this means. And there's a lot of misinformation. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, confusing explanations. Yeah. I finally found a, a pretty sweet video. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes um, that explain it really well. Um, particularly Is that a, a Griffin's video? Was it? When he uh, uh, puts the colored, uh, like, what 10-bit is versus 8-bit? Eight, I think eight bit. it yeah. may have been his. It may yeah. have been his. Um, anyways, yeah, so maybe that helped me find it, and I can post <laughs> that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, give it your best shot at giving us the uh, the layman's super layman's simple version, version of it. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> four two zero versus four two two. 
four two zero is you're capturing. Um, let's see if I, I if if I remember this right. It's four pieces of information, two pieces of information, zero information. What it means is in four two zero for a set amount of of color information of pixels of pixels, you're only really using two. Right. Um. And then to determine what those ones, four right? are, yeah, and it's right. and that's that's what happens. Four two two is you're capturing four pieces of information. Right. So the best description and best visual I've ever seen of this is if you've ever seen um, picture of say like uh, a rose petal and it's close up on it, you see the the edge of the rose petal. Right. Four two zero footage will have a stair stepping on the vertical. Uh, side when, when of this zoom, rose yeah, when, you when you zoom, zoom in, in right yep. 422 has less stair stepping it's more yeah. smooth yep 444 is almost perfectly smooth 444 right. is ideal that's what um like our veracam shoots that's what a lot of you know 60 70,000 cameras shoot yep total broadcast uses yes so the base sense is 420 is okay 422 is ideal right now Unless you're real willing to go out and spend sixty grand on a camera and shoot a wedding with a sixty thousand dollar camera and a follow focus and grip and all that kind of stuff, um, probably not. Most of our listeners, probably I not. I don't think anybody would do that, nor <laughs> should they do that. Well, yeah. but some people like to throw around money. Uh, hey, <laughs> more power to you. Just buy a Veracam if you're going to do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but on the the more I I'd say important side of this is the eight bit versus ten bit. Okay. And that's your color depth. Gotcha. So when you look at, at a camera like the GH4, the GH4 um, recorded in 4208 bit. So what does that mean? That means that when you're looking at the shades of gray that a camera can capture, so from 0 to 255, that's an 8 bit signal. We're used to seeing this in photography 0 to 255. 255 is full white, 0 is black. Well, in the video world, depending on where you're going to output this file, if you're going to put it on YouTube, things like that, you need to be aware that zero isn't black. 255 isn't white. Um, really, what you need is you need 16 to 235. 16 is actual true black in broadcast. 235 is true... Uh, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. 16 is true black in broadcast. 235 is true white in broadcast. So that means if you're shooting and your exposure goes over 235 or under 16, those are completely blown out or completely lost in the shadow. And that's 8-bit. When you go to 10-bit, um, things get a little more complicated in 10-bit. When you go to 10-bit, you're recording um, millions of colors versus thousands of colors. Yeah. So when you look at, at the um, luminance levels in a 10-bit file, you're going to, uh, I think it's it's um, 1025, 1025, and 1025 of red, green, blue. So what that means is that your, your shooting now changes. Your zero level is no longer at that, um, at that 16. You're shooting, your, your actual black level... Um, and I'm just pulling this up so I can actually give you the right numbers. Your black level is actually 64. Okay. Your bright level is actually 940. Gotcha. But what that means in in the real world. Yeah. So that was a little little technical. That's the, that's the nerdy yeah. way to say it. Yeah. What it means in the real world is if you're looking at a piece of footage and you're shooting out, you know, in front of a venue, gorgeous blue sky, and you're shooting an 8-bit. But you want to fix the exposure in post. You want to start, you know, kind of fixing the, the gradients, things like that. 8-bit files banned. Blue sky, you get a bunch of lines across it because there's just you've not all, enough info. Yep. Everybody has seen this. Yes, and then when you look sure. at it, you're like, oh, it's crap. Like a, it's like a blue rainbow. Exactly. Yeah. 10-bit doesn't do that. 10-bit, because you're recording that many more steps of gray or steps of color, you're able to push a file much further. You're able to actually take a log, a, a true log file, and you're able to get the most you possibly can out of it. So the basic thing is everyone's right. 422 10-bit, you want to record in 422 10-bit. Reality is most of our competition doesn't. 
were one of the only ones that allow you to record it internally, two SD cards. And so it's not, the banding that you're seeing is not related to any specific brand. It's all about 8-bit versus 10-bit. Exactly. looking for that feature if you want to not see the blue rainbows. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, It's a good thing. It's great to have it. It doesn't add much to your file sizes, especially when you're working with, with our camera and, and the way we handle compression. The codecs um, are, are crazy. Yeah. I'm, uh, compared to, for example, the, uh, the, the newly released Canon 5D4 when it's shooting in 4K, the file sizes on the 5D would be five times larger. At least, yeah. So, for every five gigabytes of data that you shot on the GH5, you're going to have to do a 25 gigs on the Canon. Exactly. So, um, and that's... I it, mean, which is, you know, th- that's going to be a huge hindrance for, for wedding shooters because 5 gigs goes fast. You know, on these cameras, depending on the wedding, I'm, you know, I, I end up at the end of the day with 125 gigs to 250 gigs. So oh, yeah. if I'm... If, if those files are five times the size... I might have a 1.25 terabyte wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and when you say it out loud, oh, you realize how I ridiculous did, that I is. I realized how ridiculous it was until I just said it. That's oh, why I'm yes. laughing. Oh, yes. And, no. and even more than that, there's not necessarily just on bit rates, things like that. It's the fact that when you work with a motion JPEG file, which is what the 5D uses, it's a very old style compression. It's very labor intensive for a computer to edit unless you're going out and you're buying a brand new Mac or a brand new uh, Windows PC, it's it's incredibly labor-intensive. Sure. We record H.264 in MOV or MP4 at 150 megabit in 4K, and it's a, it's a relatively easily uh, ingestible file in Premiere or Final Cut, whatever you're using. But what we've, what we've worked on to make it easier for, for shooters in, in, uh, with the GH5 is in the second half of the year, we're going to be bringing a 400 megabit all-intra codec uh, to the GH5. It'll be in a free firmware update that comes second half of the year. Trade-off there is just what we were saying, though. Huge file sizes. Huge files. 400 megabit all-intra, you're getting about 15 minutes for a 128 gig card. So why would you want that? So the the reason why you'd want all-intra, and you'd want the 400 megabit, is that all-intra is much less compression. Every single individual frame is a JPEG file. Right. That means that if you're doing After Effects or you're working with an older computer, the computer doesn't have to do as much work to decode that information, create the files, and then output it. When you're working with an IPB codec, or long GOP, which is what the GH4 uses, GH5 uses from shipping, your computer has to, or the, the camera and the, the compression... It uses an iframe, so an individual JPEG, uses vector information, and then uses the um, B frame. Then those are your only two real JPEGs. Everything else in between is created information of what's different between those two images. So that takes a lot of processing power. Sure. But it means that you can keep your bit rates lower, you can keep your file size lower, but you still get a very good looking file. We've been used to working with IPB for a very long time. All intra just makes it a little bit easier. Um, what you'll find is that if you do any kind of graphic work over your videos, when you okay. when you output them to your client, it means that After Effects will handle them a heck of a lot easier, or handle okay. them a heck of a lot easier. Final Cut can handle it a lot easier, because it's not having to take that, that overlay and take all the information it has to create those files. So, in the so- end, it saves you money. I think it's a good, so good if thing. you if you're gonna do some graphics, if you're gonna throw like the couple's name and wedding date and some fancy font and uh, comic sans, on it. right? Yes, yes, <laughs> comic sans and yeah, we won't go there. Sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, papyrus or yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're gonna do that, maybe maybe the way to go then is to turn this feature on. When you know, like that's the scene that you want to put the graphics over. Exactly. Then shoot the wet rest of the wedding in a in a lower. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Because in the end, your output file, you're not going to see a difference there. You're going to see everything's going to be very similar to. It. But if if you know 
the clips that you're going to be, you, you know, you're going to want to record where you're going to want to do all this extra work to it. Yeah, it's a huge benefit for that. Yep. Um, and that's, that's again, that's like what we were saying. We build a camera that gives you every tool that you could possibly need and just gets out of your way. Yep. It, it, it should never impede in, in, in your storytelling, your creative vision. So Awesome. Okay. Uh, really briefly, <laughs> tell me about the audio interface unit. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Uh, the GH, uh, GH5 is a new, uh, XLR adapter. Um, a lot of people have seen it. It's powered through the hot shoe. The audio is transferred through the hot shoe. No cord uh, going to the mic jack. Yep. Instead of, and, and this bypasses the internal preamps. So, so it's using a, it's using a better preamp in the, oh, it's using a much better preamp. Awesome. Not that the one in the camera's bad, but if you really want to get. It's doing so much, but the audio interface is a one trick pony. So it does exactly. that exceptionally well. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So what I've seen a lot is, you know, people will shoot and they'll have, you know, a Roland or they'll have, a, you know, a Zoom or something like that to record audio separately. And then, then you got to go through the process of syncing audio, which has gotten a lot easier over, over the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, so Pluralize really, does yeah. a great job. Final Cut does a pretty good job. Yeah. So it's really not that it's, it's not the end of the world to do that. But. Yeah. What the XLR adapter adds for the GH5 is that if you're shooting an MOV, see, so you, you have to shoot an MOV. In, Should be anyways. Y- yeah. In whatever format you want to record in, it allows you to record 96 kilohertz, 24-bit audio right to the file. Which is the same as a $600 Roland R26 or Zoom exactly. H6. Yeah. Yeah. But the advantage you get is that it's completely contained in one unit on the camera no additional syncing required, nothing. It also adds... No worried about... You You tweaked a setting. We've all done this, right? Where we, we, we tweaked some setting wrong when we were recording it. And so then the audio starts to drag. And so we have to, like, cut it and chop it up and move it over and then do yep. it again. And yeah, yep. You start getting that little bit of drift. Yep. And, so yeah. it's built into the file. So there's exactly. no issues with that. Exactly. I started recently shooting with receivers directly into camera. And it has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely that advantage of, of having the audio packed together with with the video file. Um, it's a luxury. It's a, it's definitely more expensive to do it this way because because of the the receivers and the transmitters that you have oh, to yeah. have, and that's instead of just kind of a basic lav into a Zoom H1 or something. Yeah, but it does both sound way better. Um, yeah, and it makes your job a lot easier in editing. So. Oh yeah, um, and. Unlike the GH4, when, you know, we had the YAGH and, you know, it was very much a product of its time. It was a $2,000 accessory for a $1,600 camera. It had, um, it had some quirks. Yeah, just a few. Um, you, had to, you had to power it. That's 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 a dark era for us. We we, yeah. we kind of pushed that one back a little bit. Yeah. Um, unlike that, the, the XLR adapter is only going to run $399. It's a $400 piece that sits on the camera. Wow. Um, like I said, it gives you that, that high-res audio. $399? $399, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it's going to ship with it's going to ship around the same time the camera ships, so you'll be able to pick them up day one. Awesome. Um, but, you know, it's it's got it supports phantom power. You have all your, your level controls, everything on it um, in one piece. Okay. So, Again, it's it's that there's there's that common thread that that we always try to run through with the cameras. We're making something that just works, gets out of your way, and just lets you create and and do your job. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, two thousand dollars, right? On this Correct. body only. Awesome. Correct. So for for most of our most wedding filmmakers who are um, doing this for their full time living, mm-hmm. two thousand dollars is cheap. Yeah, um, compared to your other options that are out there, um, that you know have different specs. I won't say I'll just yeah. say different specs. Yeah, um, um, it's it's you know about uh eight hundred to a thousand dollars cheaper. Um, in some cases, um, yeah. sometimes more. Um, but uh, we also we've got weekend warriors, uh, people who are just starting this as a hobby. And two grand is out of reach for a camera. Correct. Particularly when you're thinking about a two or ideally a three camera setup. Yeah. Um, now you're all of a sudden four or six grand. Um, you know, you can buy a nice used car for $6,000. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So uh, for, for these people, what's Lumix giving us that is in 
more like half that price point, like a grand. Yeah. So so we we have the the baby brother of the GH5, which would be the G85. Um, G85 it carries it's a 16 megapixel sensor, uh, no low pass filter. Uh, it's got it has a mic input. Uh, the only thing you lose is is it doesn't have a headphone input so or a headphone output. So you lose on camera monitoring that way. Uh, but it just like the rest of the cameras, there's no record limit, no heat limit, nothing like that. Uh, it records 4K 30P. In this case, it's 42 it's 4208 bit internally. Um, so it's your run of the mill. It's, it's basically think of the GH five with a stabilizer and a better sensor that reads out faster. The, the has GH4 a little bit better with that. Uh, I'm sorry, a GH four with a newer sensor and actually slightly better higher ISO performance. I found that too. I yeah. own one of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I found that I, uh, I, th- I honestly think it's pretty, pretty close to a stop better than GH four, maybe two thirds of a stop in my opinion. Yeah, and, and this is subjective, but. and and that's that's a lot to do with. I mean, you know, the the G eighty five came out about two years after the GH yeah, four, and it's, it's a much newer sensor. It, yeah, so, yeah. T- technology really does grow at an at, a, at an amazingly it's fast, fast pace. Yep. Um. So for for someone you know that where you want to get multiple cameras, you want to get into the system, you want to get something that's that is in the Lumix lineup, which we know is solid for video and and great for stills. The G85 is going to be a really, really good option for for this shooter. Now, you still have to deal with the one-to-one pixel crop on the G85. Right. But if you've been shooting with a GH4, you're accustomed to that already. Um, But the added benefit is you get that stabilizer. You you still get your mic input. It's a weather-sealed camera. Uh, You know, it's it's built to take a beating. Um, I've dropped my numerous times. It's a significant upgrade from the G7, which is um, what, you know, my, my volume company... I think we have six of them, yeah. Um, so we're upgrading them to G85s right now. We just have one of them, but it, yeah. it was a significant upgrade, particularly oh, yeah. to the body itself. Uh, the body of the G7 was pretty weak, in my opinion. It yeah, was, it was it's very uh, plasticky feeling, and 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 that was that was the biggest feedback we got from the community, from people like yourself, actual users. There was that it's a great camera, but it's too light. It feels too plasticky. Can you fix it? Because so. because for Someone who's just starting, the image quality from the G7 was incredible, mm-hmm. but, you know, for people who are using them at weddings and things like that, we needed something a little more robust. The G85 yeah. was a nice answer to that. Yeah. And so, what's the price on that? Uh, so, the price on that one, uh, the G85 runs for uh, um, $899 as uh, a body only or $999 as a kit. Uh, and the kit comes with the... Uh, the um, 12 to 60, 3.5 to 5.6, so the, the non-Leica variant. Sure. Um, yeah. So an extra 100 bucks, and you get a pretty decent lens. Yeah, you get a lens that we sell for, like, I think, $600 on its own. Wow. So okay. It's a really good So if you're going to buy that, pay the extra 100 bucks, and you got a lens. Yeah. Even if, even if you're only going to use it on the wide end because of the variable aperture. Yeah, you, it's... You, it's it's a hundred dollar twelve millimeter three five that's actually really sharp. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to use it just on the wide end, yeah. Um, which is actually what I've done um, for my volume brand is say, hey, yeah. use this. Don't zoom with it, um, just because we need that extra light. Okay. Yeah. Uh, talk to me. We're doing okay. Give me like, um, give me like the ideal lens setup for. A wedding filmmaker for and and in my experience, I'll tell you, in this format, my opinion, people will argue this, and mm-hmm. and and they have, you know, solid arguments. I won't discount that, but in my opinion, this system is built for primes, um, for yeah. video. So, uh, tell me, give me, give me a lineup. If I'm going to go shoot a wedding and I want to do a great job. Um, I want to be able to shoot some wides. I want to be able to shoot, um, you know, kind of a standard focal length. I want to shoot, uh, you know, kind of a medium telephoto and then like a full telephoto lens because I got to be way back in the balcony or something. Yeah. Give me, what What do I need to get? So, um, I've always been partial to our Leica Primes. Um, if you've seen anything, I, I've tattooed myself up with some of our Leica Primes. Yes. This um, is when I wish we were doing on video here. Yeah, so you right? can see He's got two different Leica lenses tattooed yep. to his arms. So, this um, man is, uh, is a loyal, loyal man. Or crazy, whichever one you want to want to call two. me. Maybe um, both. 
yeah, yeah, right. So, um, the 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 kit out that I, that I typically suggest to people that want to get into this is uh, for your wide angle, um, and you want to go into prime. There's two options. If fisheye is is something you're looking for, then our eight millimeter is a really good option. Um, don't but do that in your wedding films. Yeah, please, please don't. Bad do advice, that. Sean. Come on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> It's it's bad advice. However, if you're really digging for some <laughs> skateboard videos, bro. Okay, <laughs> no, no, right. um, you skateboarders so, out there. So the the um for super wide, it's actually one of our zoom lenses, the seven to fourteen. It's yeah. an f four fixed, but that's for right now. That's the widest one we've got. Right. Um. In in the 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 uh, prime lenses, the widest one is going to be the fifteen millimeter. That I'd suggest to go to the 15 1.7. Which is one of the lens that That's, is attached to your arm. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> that one, you're getting the Leica color look. You're getting a fast 1.7 lens. You're getting a 30 millimeter field of view. And on the GH5, it is a 30 millimeter field of view. So you're, right. you're not dealing with that crop anymore. So it's just going to solidly work where you need it. Um, the next... Next one up, I'd say, would be the twenty-five one four. That's going to give you your fifty mil equivalent, so your your short, short, normal, you know, in that kind everybody of area. Everybody needs a fifty. Yeah, hey, everybody needs a fifty. Yeah, at least that. Yep. Um, that one, it's a workhorse. It's an older one of our Leica lenses, so it's not the same exterior build design that the modern lenses have. It's a more plasticky. But, well, it's a lot more plasticky, actually. Yeah, but it, yeah. I've been using it for a long time. It's yeah, hasn't it, had any problems. It works. It it does the job you it ask. It doesn't look to. as pretty as it used to, but it's been to a lot of weddings. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one I'd suggest is our our uh, um, mid telly, which is the forty two point five Noctocron, um, which is also attached to your arm. That's also attached yes. to my arm. Um, that's our our. It's an eighty five one point two equivalent. It's got optic stabilization. It's ridiculously fast focusing. I think it's actually one of the fastest focusing 85 millimeters on the market from any brand. Um, and you get that, again, you get the like colors, you get the like a look that we've partnered with them to create on, on our systems. Um, but if, in, in, and this is where I deviate a bit, because if when we're looking at this whole setup, you know, the lens is like around $1,500. $1,500 is a stretch. We make uh, 42.5 f1.7, which isn't like a branded. Um, it's a lot smaller. It's way more compact, but it's it's pretty close in sharpness. To, uh, you know, to be completely honest with it's, with everybody, it's, it's, it's really sharp. good. Yeah, that's what that's the one I own. Yeah. I, I went cheap, but you get a lot of a, a lot of bang for your buck out of that lens. You know, that one's it's a 399 lens. It's on sale for 350 right now. 350 right now. Yeah, yeah crazy. there you go. Um, but you know, it's a one seven. It's optically stabilized, and it's it's a good solid performer. Um, when you start going further than and than the forty two five, um, you start having to look at at zoom lenses for us. Uh, we don't make like a one fifty or a three hundred prime, so you really end up looking at you know if you really want to go crazy long, you look at the one to four hundred Leica, um, or you look at the one to three hundred. Both really good options, but for a wedding, for the wedding world, they're, you know, you're 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 talking two hundred millimeter in field of view, so that that's that's really long. Um, the good solid staple that you can work at in that realm is the thirty five to one hundred, right? Because you're two eight, it's yep. internal zoom, it's internal zooming, internal focusing, um, which is going to be similar to, I mean, every Canon shooter I know has the seventy two hundred two eight, yeah. Um, a lot of the Sony users are also using that L lens with an adapter. Exactly. Um, but Sony, I think, just came out with the answer to that. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so it is. While I I made this claim about about zooms, and personally, I don't use any zooms. Yeah. Um, I I went instead for the Rokinon eighty five one four, which is brilliant in my oh, opinion. Oh yeah. Um, Great lens. Uh, but if you want that that zoom, if you do want, it does have you know the extra reach as opposed to the Rokinon. Um, and the ability to have, you know, the very, the zoom, um, you know, so yeah. I can shoot at 70 or at 200 or anywhere in between. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a viable option. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the one place that, you know, honestly, um, I, I wish we would have a couple more lenses in that, in that, you know, kind of, um, telly to like long telly kind of area. Um, but 
the the thirty five to one hundred is proven to be a, a workhorse lens. It's super sharp. You got a decent, you know, two eight. You know, it's good, fast. On the GH five, it's actually seventy to two hundred. So you're not, you know, you're not pushing it super telly at that point because the GH four crop. You're it, saying exactly, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so to sum up, I mean, like the the best kit would be the fifteen, the twenty five Leica. The one of the two forty two point fives and a thirty five to one hundred. That that I think you'd be solidly covered for. Yeah, you know ninety percent of anything you'd want to shoot. I Throw agree. the seven to fourteen in there, at, or the eight to eighteen. When we release that one, we've we've teased it a bit. We've shown right. that it's under development. Um, that'll be a two point eight to four. When that one comes out, go with that guy, and and you'll be covered for anything you could possibly want to shoot. Awesome. And if you want to go on the wide end, if you want to go extra snobby with your glass, you can always pick up the 12 millimeter, right? The, uh, you can. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the 12's actually the next tattoo I'm getting. Oh, okay. Um, but, you need a third arm. Yeah, right? <laughs> so the, um, the 12 millimeter 1.4, um, I, I overlook that sometimes still, even though it's, it's the lens that, that lives on my GH5 right now. Mm. Um, I mean, the Noctocron's on it right now because we were just having dinner and shooting some nice shallow depth field portraits, but the 12 is what lives on my camera most of the time. Um, it's super fast. It's, it's 1.4. It's a Leica Sumalux design. Um, so you know it's meant to be shot at 1.4. Uh, the reason why I suggest some people to look at the 15 first, though, is it's the same reasoning that we look at with the 42.5 with the Noctocron. Sure. It's an expensive lens. Yeah. If if you're looking to go all out and do it once and do it the best way you can, then Buy yes, once, get once. the 12. There you go. You're great. Yeah. But I found that the 12 and the 15 can live very comfortably in whatever package you're going to shoot with, because the you know I I I come from the stills side of the world. Sure. Um, I love street photography, and 35 millimeter was one of the lenses when I moved into digital that that always lived on my camera. Yep. When I shot film, though, I was always a 24. Mm-hmm. So the fact now that we have a 24 field of view, it's a 1.4, it's Leica, it's got an aperture ring on it, so I'm, I'm right at home with it. That's now starting to really kind of be my my go to lens. Um. So yeah, that's that's no, I, another I really did. really good option. I went with you. I so much of why I switched from Canon to Micro Four Thirds in the first place was for the small form factor. And so mm. while the twelve and uh, and the Noctocron forty two and a half aren't huge compared to some of the full frame lenses, they're still bigger lenses. And I just I'm kind of a I've become a snob for tiny lenses. No, <laughs> as weird as that sounds, but, but you know, but that's the thing we we make we make a lens to to complement your style of shooting. Yep. Um. And and honestly, between between any of them, I don't think in a real practical world sense, actually out there making money doing this, will you see an added benefit from the two Leicas? Um. Yeah, you will. Definitely, I mean, you know, a one-two versus a one-seven. That's that's a good difference there, and and the colors that you get out of the optics. But you want to get into a system, and you want to get, you want to stay to that that compact, lightweight, and just solid performance. Yeah, the the one-seven and the uh, even the twenty-five one-seven is also another really good option. Sure. You know, so I'll yeah, I'll say this. This is again, all this is so subjective, right? But <laughs> in my opinion, um. Uh, you you're sort of making the decision for for yourself personally because if uh, what are we looking at <laughs> we we've Sean got distracted and that distracted me very quickly he made I'm a funny sorry. face there That's I'm okay. sorry we are we are outside in Vegas so things happen yeah. um but the decision sometimes for me my decision is always is this going to make me more money yep and if I think that buying a particular piece of gear is going to make me more money, then it's a very easy decision to buy that piece of gear. If I, yeah, if I don't think that it's going to make me more money, then at that point, it's a lot harder decision to make because, in all honesty, the decision is whether or not my snobbery or or you know, <laughs> or my artistry or whatever, but my 
uh, my perception of my work is going to dramatically improve. Whether or not my clients can see it, I see it and I care. And for so many yes. of our, so many of our of our listeners, that's their world. Is yeah, I know they can't see it, but I see it, and it's going to drive me nuts if I don't have the one two because I yeah. know what I could have, and so and I get that. And if if you have you know if you have the financial freedom to do that, then go for it. Oh yeah, um, but you know it, it might not be a decision. Uh, it might not be a business decision that you're making. And again, maybe it is. Maybe you're shooting a job where. You know, you need that extra sharpness. You need that extra stop of light or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And so it could be, but I'm guessing that for most of most of us, that's not the decision that's yeah. being made. So, yeah. so I'm being a very bad uh, sponsor of Lumix, telling you to buy the cheaper one. No, no. <laughs> it, you know, that's that's one of the things that 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 gets I think clouded a lot in this industry is you know. Everyone always points to go say you know buy the top tier, the best best of the best that we make. The reality is no. Like everything else in the camera that we built, we build a very pragmatic system. If you buy a 42.5.17 because, one, it's either, you know, that's what you can afford, or by making a business decision, that's the lens that you want to go with, I'm happy because you're, you're, you're buying into an entire system. Yeah. You're not, you know, maybe down the line you'll eventually end up wanting to upgrade and get into the I one two. Probably like will. That. Yeah, I mean, most <laughs> most people do. But know that, um, know that if you make that decision to go to a one seven or go to the non like variants, you're not sacrificing anything for it. Yeah, you're still getting an optic that's designed to be sharp. You're getting yep. a, you know. There's there's this this talk about you know are are is Leica actually like are are we just licensing the name from Leica are we you know what does Leica actually have in our optics the reality sure. is any piece of glass that we have whether it's Leica branded or not has the influence of Leica in it we have a very strong um, long term and 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 I think some of like the better ways to put this like. We collaborate a lot with Leica. So they're helping on the design process? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. De definitely. So any lens that carries the Leica badging, is is it's manufactured by us in Japan. Um, and and it's it's an optical design that's been produced by Leica with Panasonic to, to, to work to what, what Leica sets as a standard. And if you if you don't know like a standard, uh, you know, go do some some of your own research. Google but Oscar Barnock, and then you'll be able to tell. It's it's kind of ridiculous their standards. Yeah. At this point, but um, yeah, okay, we're we're over an hour here now, <laughs> um, but we're having a good time. Yeah. And uh, real quick, give me like a give me your give me your pick of the week. If I'm gonna pick up. One piece of of Lumix gear uh, this spring. What's uh um besides the GH five? <laughs> um, the, yeah, yeah. Do something besides the GH five. Yeah, yeah. So if 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 you're looking to pick up, you know, something new uh, from us or, or 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 whatever, um, I'd honestly just honestly suggest take take a look at the twelve to sixty that we announced with the GH five. Uh, it's a 24 to 120. It's a Leica lens, so it goes through Leica's Leica's actual QA um, or uh, uh, QC uh, in our facility in Japan. Um, Quality control. Yep. Okay. It's it's a like I said, it's a 12 to 60 millimeter, so 24 to 120. It's 2.8 to f4. It's optically stabilized. So normally that range of lens is a constant f4. Usually, right? 24 yeah. to 120. That's usually f4. Yeah. Um, At what point does it like switch over? So it 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 ramps fairly linear linearly uh, okay. from from twelve out to sixty for for two eight to four. Okay. Um. So two eight really is at twelve, maybe thirteen millimeter. You're at two eight, and then it kind of steps down. Sure. Uh, the reality is, if you look and compare it to the twelve to thirty five, which I've seen a lot of people online commenting about, like, well, what is it at thirty five? At thirty five, the twelve to sixty is a third of a stop slower. Okay. So you're a three. Was it three five I guess so, from yeah. two eight or something like that? Um, 
it, it's it's thousand dollars, the same price as the twelve to thirty five now, the the new revised version of it. But you're getting the like colors, you're getting a longer range out of it. You sacrifice a little bit in um, aperture uh, in the tele end, but it's it's really a good solid walk around everyday lens that's going to be it's freeze proof, dust proof, splash proof like the GH five is. Um, and it, it's solid. It's going to work great on any of the cameras. If you're a G85 person or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Sean, it's been super great talking to you. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited for what you guys are doing. I see you guys cause I just shoot with the stuff. I have, uh, nothing to do <laughs> with, with, uh, everything else that goes on and, and all this, but, uh, I'm super excited about what y'all are doing. Yeah, I'm man. I'm super excited to... I have to give up my GH5 tomorrow, so I'm super bummed about that. But I can't wait to get my hands back on it and shoot some weddings this uh, this spring with it. So, thanks again, um, yeah. Sean. Uh, where should where should people go to follow more on what Lumix is doing online? Yeah. So, um, uh, our Instagram channel, Lumix uh, Lumix USA, uh, will be posting a ton of info. Uh, you know, a ton of stills, ton of videos, content like that. Um, on that channel, uh, if you're on YouTube, it's uh, Lumix Cameras. Uh, we just launched a new U- a new YouTube channel uh, from the launch of the GH5. Uh, so if you go to YouTube.com/slash/LumixLoungeUSA, that'll bring you right to the page. Um, and then also LumixLounge.com or Lumix USA Facebook page. You look on any of those places, we're there. Um, I'm typically always around to answer questions, things like that. Um, you can put my uh, my uh, info down perfect wherever you want to do that yeah we'll put it all in the show notes for sure yeah okay sean thanks a lot man yeah yeah thanks for having me absolutely the wedding film academy podcast is produced by taylor juarez if you found this episode helpful be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on itunes and when you're done head on over to weddingfilmacademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section until next time Keep making movie magic.